Welcome to the Career Hacks podcast. My name is Madeline Butler from the Business, Economics and Law Careers and Employability team. We support students to explore career possibilities, gain experience in the workplace, develop employability skills and much more. In this podcast series, we speak with a range of outstanding professionals working in various industry fields. In this episode of Career Hacks, I'm delighted to be joined by Nathan Shocker. Nathan is the CEO of Safe Company, a technology and digital solutions platform. The company founded Safe Visit, a digital contact tracing platform, and Safe Ticket, a digital ticketing platform which competes on the global stage against the likes of Eventbrite and Tribe Booking. Nathan is also the current president of the Brisbane Junior Chamber of Commerce, a community and network of young professionals, business owners, and entrepreneurs. Today, we'll be unpacking how you can build your professional network and tap into the hidden job market, which in today's ever-evolving world of work has never been more important. So welcome, Nathan. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you set the scene for us and share a little bit about your career journey so far and how you've gotten to where you are today? Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to join join you today. Yeah, my, uh, my journey is... Uh, yeah, quite unique compared to a lot of others out there, I think. Uh, so I started my professional life uh, as a 13-year-old cleaning toilets. I was a cleaner. That that was that was my that was my job. And uh, so all throughout high school, I'd work weekends and school holidays and sort of any sort of spare moments I had to earn a couple of bucks for myself. And then uh, coming out of high school, I did start university studies and uh, I made a bit of the mistake of working full-time nights and studying full-time days. Uh, yeah, which is, I don't recommend that. That's, uh, that's not a winning formula for sure, uh, but I had to learn that the hard way. And so not long after that, I started my first business uh, that I still have today, Talio. So that's a, a facilities management business. So going a bit over eight years now. So almost at that overnight success of 10 years, that's a, a bit of an inside joke for a lot of business owners out there. They feel like they hit overnight success after 10 years. Uh, yeah, and so then it was work, 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 grow a business, learn all the stuff that you had no idea takes to run a business and grow a business. And, and the longer you're in business for, the more you realize it's not, it's not about the technical aspects of how you started a business. And I firmly believe that most people that go and start a business, they're technically passionate about what they want to do. So whether it's a computer business or a florist or a car detailer or a rocket builder, whatever it is, they go into business just to do that. And then you quickly figure out 90% of a business is not actually about the skill that you want to exercise. It's about the paperwork, the admin, the keeping up with tax laws, HR, IR, managing people, managing clients, managing expectations, managing your own mental health and finances and everything else that goes along with it. Uh, so not long after I started my own business, I realized that I needed a peer network of other business owners and people that were on a similar path as myself, not necessarily all business owners. And that's how I came to find the Brisbane Junior Chamber of Commerce was, I can't even honestly remember how I found it, but bought a ticket, went along to a few of their networking events, met some cool people and went, yeah, I think this is my crowd and I can, uh, I can grow with them and they can give me advice and we can share war stories as to stuff that we get wrong and the money that we waste on the stupid stuff that we do. Uh, and so started growing together. And uh, before I knew it, I was sort of 
uh, I shouldn't say coerced. I was about to say coerced, but that makes it sound very poor. I was uh, I was partially convinced to sort of help the chamber committee at the time. Uh, they were looking to form some partnerships with some organisations, uh, and they were organisations I just happened to be close to and a part of anyway. Uh, so I helped with that, and then the committee at the time went through a restructure and they created a vice president's role. Uh, the president at the time suggested I should put my hand up for it. And I did, and no one else did. So I became vice president. Uh, one of those things where I stepped forward, everyone else stepped back and I was volunteer for it. Uh, and then not long after that, the president went through quite a, quite a life change herself, changed careers, moved to the Gold Coast, serious relationships, so on and so forth. And uh, yeah, and then I became president of the Brisbane Junior Chamber of Commerce, uh, which I've absolutely loved. Um, it's been a, It's been a brilliant community to be a part of and watch grow and evolve and develop. And uh, the hundreds, probably thousands, honestly, of great people that I've met through it has been uh, really, really, really fantastic and so valuable to my growth as well. And through the chamber, that's actually how safe company came to be about. So uh, we can dive into that a little bit later if you want. Yes, yeah. I'm sure. I'm mindful of rabbiting on too long and people on this podcast going to sleep. <laughs> no, I, ho- I hope not. Um, so yeah, you mentioned the importance of relationships in uh, your career success so far. We often hear the saying, it's not just what you know, it's who you know. So can you tell us a little bit about why building your professional network is so important and also why it should be a focus for our students, especially who are already so busy balancing their university studies, work commitments, family, friends, and so on. And also it'd be great if you could share the opportunities and benefits that you yourself have experienced from your professional network and relationships. Yeah, it's building building relationships and building a network is, I, I believe, for the overwhelming majority of business owners and professionals out there is that it should be almost the number one thing that you focus on after job performance, quite honestly, is uh, you hit the nail on the head with the age-old cliche of it's not what you know, but who you know. And certainly having been in business for eight years with Talio and then other businesses uh, that certainly come to the fore uh, is over time as that business progresses and develops, you lean on that technical skill less and less and less. And it's more about all of the other things in business. And for so much of that, you need to know good people. You need to know good accountants, good lawyers, good advisors. You need to be able to share ideas uh, and strategies with other business owners or professionals because your perspective is only singular. Whereas if you can share those ideas and grow those ideas with others, then it rounds out your perspective um, hugely so. So from a purely a peer-to-peer opportunity, networking, networking, relationship building, and having those connections around you is immensely valuable. Where where it's doubly valuable is the opportunities it creates for you. So whether so whether you're a professional potentially looking at the next career step, those people that you network with and meet, they can help advise you as to should you be looking at volunteer roles or board positions or if you want to make a jump from one industry to the next, that networking can give you that insight as to what that industry might be. Is you can you can much more readily have a casual conversation over a, a beer or a wine or a coffee with someone that's in that industry that you think is super glamorous rather than trying to get in front of, say, a recruiter or a CEO of that industry where they will feel like you effectively want to interview them. Whereas if you can 
casually talk to someone, they're probably going to tell you what it's really like. Uh, because I think every industry goes through wanting to present themselves as being very glamorous and very pretty and uh, very uh, advantageous for everyone. But uh, as anyone should know, working in any job, there's parts of a job that aren't glamorous or fun, um, but it's essential to the role. So being able to tap that knowledge of those people in other industries, if you're looking to make a jump or get your first job, whatever it is, is invaluable. Uh, Same as in business as well. So uh, as a business owner, I'll often share thoughts and ideas uh, and I'll often have those around me that own businesses that will come to me and they'll say, hey, I've got this idea and I was thinking about this and this. How do you perceive it from your point of view? Uh, And that's a really great way to kill the really dumb ideas because trust me, everyone has really dumb ideas. We all think, oh, like... Why has no one done this? This is like a billion dollar idea. And then you talk to three people and they go, well, it's not going to work because of this and this and this. And then you go, yeah, that's right. I didn't think about any of those. Uh, But it's also a really great way to hone those good ideas that you do have. And you'll have plenty of those. And those perspectives will help round it out. And they'll go, well, don't forget, there's going to be this pitfall or that challenge to it, or you're going to face these competitors or... um, yeah, there's going to be market forces that will dictate what you can or can't do. I was um, staggered to learn that actually over over 70% of jobs and job opportunities aren't advertised on traditional platforms. Um, so some of our listeners may or may not have heard of the hidden job market, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. So can you tell us a bit about what the hidden job market actually is and how students can tap into it? Yeah, the hidden job market, it's, uh, it is immense, and people don't truly appreciate how big it is for sure. Uh, it's obviously given away in the name itself. The hidden job market is, uh, it's there, but it is hidden. The way, the, the way that students can tap into the hidden job market, I would firmly believe that it's through networking and building relationships and connections with others because what the hidden job market is, is it is jobs that are being given or awarded to people that never get advertised. They're not in the newspaper. They're not on Seek. They're not on Facebook. They're not on LinkedIn. You won't see a job advert anywhere for this position. You'll never be able to read a position description or know what a salary bracket is or even know what the title of the role is. Uh, And I can certainly confirm that as a small business owner myself, uh, in all of the small businesses I've been in, uh, I've never advertised for a role ever at all. Uh, so my businesses are purely exist in the hidden job market. Um, and there's there's clear reasons as to why is that often when a position does go out on seek is you sort of get that resume deluge of hundreds of resumes for one role, most of which aren't really relevant to the role itself. And plus, they're overwhelmingly people that you have no idea who they are at all. You've never met them. You don't see a picture of them. You, you don't. You just have no connection with them at all. And I think that's where the hidden job market really comes into its own is that often those jobs are, are given because there's a relationship that's already there or there's a personal referral that's given is that uh, CEO A and CEO B know each other. CEO A has a need for an office manager. CEO B just happens to know that one of their employees, one of their spouses has just left a role, is looking for their next challenge. 
And so CEO A and B talk to each other and B goes, I highly recommend this person. I know them. I met them casually a few times. I think they're worth an interview. And that person is called in for a one-to-one interview, probably just one interview as well, not interviewed against anyone else. And if CEO A believes that, well, they'll fit the role, then they're often given a job almost on the spot. Uh, and that's that's really what the hidden job market is. Uh, and you'd be surprised for the level and caliber of positions that it goes to as well, is it goes everything from juniors uh, and sort of the, the bottom of the rung employees in businesses all the way to CEO and board board position levels. And I'm sure if you dove into those really big corporates that hire a lot of people, and I'm thinking like the McDonald's and the Woolworths and the Coles and even those retail chains, they would have a big emphasis on the people that already work for them referring others to them so that they don't have to advertise as much. Uh, because there's that inherent sort of level of trust. And if you have someone within your organization refer someone else, then there's a little bit of like a intellectual property that will exchange between the two of the person that works in the business to the person that could work in the business is they'll give them a heads up on, well, this is what it's like to work there and these are the hours you should be used to. And so it sort of gives that that new person potentially coming in a running start. I think we can probably both agree that LinkedIn is a tool that we can use to develop our professional network and also convey things like our professional identity, our brand, uh, all those sorts of things. Um, And I have a few rapid fire questions um, to get started. Far away, please. (laughs) Yeah, to hear your perspective on the platform. So uh, our first one is, is LinkedIn just an online version of your resume? Absolutely not. Uh, and you should avoid it being an online version of your resume. It should be an active channel for you to set your path forward, not to look back. Do employers use LinkedIn to find new employees? Absolutely. And if they say no, they're lying to you. They'll check all social media um, with a, with an emphasis on LinkedIn. And how do you use LinkedIn to grow and stay connected to your network? It's about find for me. It's about finding people in whether it's similar or complementary industries or just finding really great people in different industries and environments that I may not ever come across ever. So if someone, if I see someone doing really great things where they're leading or helping to grow young people, I'll actively try and connect with that person to bounce ideas and see what common challenges we face. It's fantastic to hear. And should students have a LinkedIn profile? Absolutely. Yes, they should. And not just create a profile, be active with it. Don't just create it and put like your student ID photo in there because everyone knows it's a student ID photo, Uh, but be active in it. Is grow that network, reach out to people, post on there, engage with people. Yeah, be a part of the conversation, not just a spectator. What's your advice for students who are just starting to build their network and perhaps are attending a networking event in person? And that certainly can be intimidating approaching career professionals established in their fields and you're just a scared student at their first networking event, um, throw yourself into that headspace. What, what are your tips? What are your advice? One of, the, uh, one of the easy tips is take a buddy, is buddy up with someone for networking because you need a bit of that help with each other at times. Now, certainly don't join yourselves at the hip and not leave each other's sides because you'll end up just talking to each other. And buddying up is not going to be for everyone. So if you 
if you don't think you're going to do well buddying up with someone, then be cool and go by yourself. I go to most networking events by myself and have done ever since I really started networking just because I felt that if I went with a buddy, I'd be worried about them a bit of the time and not sort of so much focused on actually networking. Networking is certainly like most other things in life. It's actually about quality, not quantity. So when you go to a networking event and you see 100 people, 200 people, often a lot of times people that are new to networking, they think I've got to meet as many of these people as possible. And so they end up becoming like a business card machine gun is that they're just shooting their card into people's hands. And there's no, well, there is an impression left that that's all they're trying to do. They're just trying to get your business card. So then you get added to their mailing list, which you never wanted to be subscribed to anyway. Uh, trust me, that happens way too much. Uh, <laughs> so don't be focused on trying to meet as many people as possible. Focus on three, four, five, maybe six people and have a genuine connection with them. And for me, I always approach networking is that when I'm walking into the room is I'm becoming, I'm becoming a bit like Madeline is, the interviewer. You want to interview the other people. Uh, and, and I would imagine as well for thinking back to when I was a student is again, as a student, you don't feel like you have a lot to bring to a conversation. But one thing you can do is you can ask a lot of questions. And as long as the people that you're with are pretty open, which they should be if they're at networking events, then most people, and it's a bit of a psychological thing, most people do love to chat about themselves sort of thing. So as long as they don't feel like it's a 60 minutes of current affair grilling, they'll talk about their jobs and the challenges that they're going through um, and also push beyond the really basic or easy questions of, are you busy? What job do you have? think a little bit more deeper because lots of people at networking get asked at those same questions and they can often be a bit of a measure of the person that you're talking to is that if they just sort of stay at that surface level of questions, then they're, they're not going to be great conversation to be with. So think about asking them, what's the, what's the biggest challenge you're tackling at work at the moment? Or what's the most exciting project that you have on the horizon or on your desk right now. Now, they don't have to tell you trade secrets, of course, but you should be able to unlock a bit of their passion in the role that they have. And when you can unlock someone's passion in a conversation, you'll actually find a much greater connection with them and you'll leave a much better impression upon them as well because they'll feel like you really paid attention to what they were doing. Like, how were you able to unlock their passion without them realizing it? Like, that's a really cool thing to do, but it leaves a very strong impression with that person coming back to well how should students really get into networking is you have to think about networking like a muscle it's a muscle like your brain it's a muscle like your biceps your triceps whatever it is you have to train it some yes are genetically gifted where they can network to anyone at any time and that's cool 98 percent of people are not like that 98% of people aren't the elite athletes of networking. I myself, I know a lot of people say that I'm a good networker, but it's me doing networking like two, three times a week because I'm a, I'm a fierce introvert. So networking is not a natural thing for myself. So I have to push myself to do it. And that's why I do it so often because if I stop doing it for a week, two weeks, a month, then it really shuts down on me. 
and I got to go back through and like train myself and work that muscle is put that muscle to the test. So I would say to students is that if you want to get good at networking, you have to go network. You can't just walk into a networking event and be good at networking. And I think that would be a big fear. And I've seen that fear with a lot of students that have attended BJCC events is that they come in and they feel they feel like an imposter. First off, they feel like they shouldn't be in a room with professionals and business owners, but they absolutely should be because there's stuff that professionals and business owners can learn from students and vice versa. Uh, and we also see students that they're afraid to network because they think they're not good at networking. But it's if you don't do networking, you don't get good at it. So it's sort of like it's that evil circle of, well, I want to get good, but I don't do it to get good, but I don't want to show up because I'm not good. And then you go, well, you so you got to break that cycle somewhere. So just show up. Uh, and finally, a question that we ask all our guests at the end of the episode is what is your number one career hack that you can share with our listeners? The number one career hack. That's a that's a profoundly good question. Well, for me, it's it's about networking. It comes back to having a network, building relationships, because if you do that, opportunities come. Absolutely. That's, that's where opportunities will come is that people will people will want to actively come to you with opportunities and ideas and thoughts and sometimes crazy ideas. And that's what Safe Visit and Safe Ticket started as was it was crazy ideas. Um, uh, yeah, that would be the number one hack. It, it, I never would have been close to any of those crazy ideas if it hadn't have been for the network around me, if it hadn't have been for the opportunities that came out of that network. Uh, and that... A small piece of advice that I learned many years ago from someone who, who I trusted in business is that uh, when when people come to you with an opportunity, in their mind, because they're coming to you with that opportunity in their mind, you've already said yes. So don't say no. Far too many people far too often say no to opportunities that are put in front of them. Uh, yeah. And often when you're asked, people want you to say yes, or their, their mind's already three steps down the path of you've already said yes. And what's going to happen now? That doesn't mean that you have to say yes to everything. You can sort of go yes, but, and slightly change it a little bit or yes, if this and this and this happens, but say yes, don't, don't, don't say no. I see it far too often. I see far too many people stall their careers and their lives because they say no to the opportunities that are in front of them. So say yes and have a crack. Have some fun. Go for it. Go create crazy ideas. Thanks so much, Nathan. And that's it for this episode of Career Hacks, brought to you by UQ Faculty of Business, Economics and Law, Careers and Employability. Join us next time for further insights into the lives of industry professionals. 